The Ziggler Show comes from the legacy of Zig Ziggler and brings together personal and professional growth, business success, and faith. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this episode, your main competition. Interestingly, folks, that headline, when we recorded this, we broadcast it live on the Ziggler Facebook page with 5 million fans, and we had quadruple the number of live listening uh, listeners ever. And so far, it looks like the down or the uh, viewing of that video uh, is going to be more than any video we've had on there. So interesting that that title was so popular, your main competition. So here's what's coming up. Zig Ziglar brings us a two minute message on the three options your prospect has for your product or service. Uh, they can do business with you or they can decide to not do business at all. And three, they can do business with a competitor. So your competitors, not just other businesses that offer a similar product or service to yours, it's also just doing nothing. And that's a highly, uh, a big possibility for a lot of us who have products or services that while maybe important are generally not super urgent. So to give us personal testimonies to work with, I ask Ziggler listeners this question, what's your business What's your product or service? And what is the main competition or deterrent for people buying what you have to offer? And reading through the comments with Tom Ziegler really helped us flesh out the topic uh, very well. And I'll tell you about half the submissions, maybe not quite that much, but a lot of them from coaches, life coaches, financial coaches, business coaches, health coaches, whatnot. And so we did end up talking about that a lot, which, you know, with that, that's an area, again, generally not urgent. It's important, but easy for people to put off and not hire a coach. But we also got into the very real issue of when your business is coaching. Uh, if you have a product or a service, the focus of the marketing is that product or service. When you are a coach, the product is you. And that is very difficult for a lot of people who can do great coaching. They can help people, but they have a hard time selling themselves. So we do get into that quite a bit. So I'm going to queue up this two minute clip from Zig Ziglar, then get into your comments right after I share some great products and services with you. Brian Flanagan introduced me to the term homeostatic balance several years ago. The natural law of homeostasis says that an organism stays in perfect balance until acted upon by an outside force. The outside force causes the status quo to be disrupted and the organism becomes out of balance. We rarely take action until we are out of balance. Once we are out of balance, we will take the proper steps to correct or right our balance. When the sales professional shows the prospect where he or she is out of balance, they have upset the homeostatic balance. I am not advocating that we knock the prospect off balance. We must discover where there is an imbalance and point this out in a convincing manner. In essence, this makes our prospect uncomfortable or unhappy with his condition or situation, which means you are now in position to make a sale because your prospect now wants to solve his problem. There are three things that can happen when a customer discovers their area of imbalance. In the first place, the professional salesperson who has helped point out the lack of balance places the product or service in the hands of the prospect and makes the sale. 
In the second place, the prospect discovers their imbalance, and if the salesperson doesn't ask for the order, over a period of time, the prospect regains balance and forgets they were ever uncomfortable. This is disastrous because the prospect is not doing very well, and neither is the salesperson. In the third place, when a prospect discovers they are out of balance and the salesperson doesn't ask for the order, many times the competition comes in and asks for the order, writes the prospect, and makes the sale. Then everyone is happy but you. All right. Well, Tom, as people who are listening to the podcast, they will have just heard Zig's two, two minute or so message on selling, on competition, and on those three options that anyone who has a need. So if I have a need for personal or business development and I come to Ziggler.com and look at the upcoming events, option one, I can buy from Ziggler, or I should say Ziggler can sell me and I can buy their product or service. Option two is I can just decide not to do anything, which in personal development, that's probably the biggest competitor is just doing nothing. I don't get around to it. It's not urgent. It may be the most important thing in my life, but it's not super urgent. Number three is I can see a similar business or personal development event somewhere else happening and I can buy from there. So buy from a competitor. So those are our three. I think the one that we generally miss though, is that middle one is people doing nothing. There's so few purchases we make in today's world that are that urgent, you know, whatever it is, it can always be put off or forgotten about. That's right. And the, you know, the easiest thing is to do nothing uh, unless it's an emergency, right? Unless you've got a critical need and it needs to, to go that. And so many people in sales and in business, your product or service isn't necessarily an urgent need, right? Yeah. Uh, certainly with what we offer at Ziggler with personal development and business training and coaching and those kind of things, uh, if you've been waiting for a while, it's easy to wait a little bit longer. But the reality is that until you make a change, you're going to keep getting the same results. So there really is urgency. But as the seller, I need to identify and understand what that individual or that business's need is. And then I need to understand what it is they want to accomplish. And if I have a product or service that's going to help them bridge that gap between where they are and where they want to be, then it's incumbent on me to then present a solution that has incredible value and has a sense of urgency. Because I know, and that's like you just said, if there's no sense of urgency, why do it now? And if they don't do it now, they're likely to never do it. That's probably a great thing for everybody to audit their product or service with. So if you have a product or service, you can go look at Stephen Covey's four quadrants, the urgent, important. If you type in Stephen Covey, urgent, important, whatever, you'll come up with the graphs. And just to realize where does your product uh, exist. And the ones that we're going to read through here in just a moment, most of them are in that important but not urgent category. I mean, if you're a mechanic, you're often in the urgent category. Somebody has a car breakdown, they need it fixed now. If you're in Dallas, Texas, and your air conditioning goes out, you need it fixed the next moment. That's an urgent purchase. <laughs> but most of us, us, we have a lot of coaches that are doing things here, and some of even health and wellness products, they're not an urgent thing. And even that's good to know uh, and cater to. So, Hey, if you're ready, Tom, let's just, we'll dive down through some of these. Yeah. Cause we do have a good gamut. Be- speaking of, uh, this, 
could be urgent. Beth Hinton, she says uh, her company's first choice equipment sales. We offer water, water damage equipment. So I'm assuming refurbished equipment for water damage. Uh, service and repairs. We sell business to business, so B2B. We are small but have great customer service. The main competitors are the big companies that offer day-to-day supplies. And I would think, yeah, customer service. I know if you're buying big equipment like a printer, just as important as the product is the customer service, the support of that, probably with any big equipment. I mean, Tom, you guys have had an office with big equipment in it for years, so you know this area. Yeah, you know, when you're doing a refurbished, uh, and by the way, I like refurbished uh, products a lot of times. Yeah. You get a significant uh, savings and you usually get the same warranty. Uh, and then the, the, the challenge is, is, is how easy is the company you're buying from to do business with? Are they going to serve and support you? And so if you're leading with your customer service experience, that's a huge advantage. And so, the, you know, what I would say in that situation is, and this is a great uh, sales opportunity for everybody. So everybody who's listening to this, what are the three to five objections that you get almost every time? We should, in, in business, in selling, we should know that. We should know that right offhand because if you've been doing it a while and you've, you, you know, you've made presentations to a number of prospects, you're going to see the same things over and over and over again. And so how do we, you know, what's our competition? Our competition is the, the mindset or the belief that buying something new at a higher price is going to be a better value over time. And why is that? Well, there's a thought that says if it broke down before, it might break down again, which in what I understand from refurbished, that's not it at all. A lot of times somebody bought the wrong, the, you know, they bought the wrong solution. So they end up returning it and it's, you know, it's perfect. It's just not in the same box and they might have to rebox it or whatever. And so if that's the objection, what are you going to do in that initial conversation to put them at ease about that? I mean, do you have a 30 day money back guarantee? Do you have the same warranty as the original had? You know, how do you price compare? What kind of testimonials do you have of people who've been doing business with you who've purchased multiple times? Uh, the best testimonial of all is when, and this is what we found at Ziegler, is when there's a hiccup in the initial transaction, right? Things don't go as planned, but the support and customer service win them over for life. Our best clients that we've had are the ones where, you know, we didn't intend for it to happen, but something went wrong. There was a miscommunication. Uh, we didn't get the shipment out on time, whatever the case was. The, the, the client let us know, hey, we're disappointed. And then we overwhelm them with experience in a positive way. And we earn back their trust to an even higher degree. And now they know that, hey, there is no risk with doing business with these guys because no matter what happens, they're going to take care of us. Yep. Hey, I, you said trust. I don't know how many times in there. And that's my number one thought here with Beth. Uh, you know, water damaged equipment 
and competing against the big companies so often people are prone to go ahead and spend more just go with the big known company because they don't want to mess with it and trust and yeah i you spoke to to that you know tom with, with their with fears concerns questions about a product like that especially man i would lead with those things uh get knock put them on the table don't minimize them and say man we understand we understand the fear, the concern when you're spending that money. That's why we X, Y, Z. And then you said it. I think nothing speaks better than testimonials. Man, if you're going to have a testimonial from a, a company like Ziggler, if you're selling office equipment to Ziggler, I would do whatever it takes to get a testimonial from Tom Ziggler with a link to his website that shows that this is a legit, recent, real person testimonial and just knock the trust uh, out of the park. Uh, Cindy here has one on coaching and I'll tell you about half of our submissions were from coaches of different varieties. Uh, she says she's a life coach. She also has a book podcast and a support, a new support group. She does one-on-one -on -one life coaching. She has her podcast workshop support group book. People have a negative view of life coaches is what Cindy feels. Much of this has to do with those who are coaches, but have never been to school or are attached to an MLM, and she means a multi-level marketing company. Even though my one-on-one -on -one is free or donation-based, people aren't sure it's worth their time to work one-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes therapists talk down about life coaches, and so people think we are quacks. I have past clients who have done well and sent people to me or talked well about me on Facebook. Since I don't charge, I wish I could sell more books to bring income into my home. Man, I know, Tom, you're uh, chomping at the bit to hit some of those issues because you work so much with coaches right there. She lays out some things that I know are big issues for a lot of coaches. And I know you have a lot of answers. I've got a lot of opinions on the one, but uh, on those two. But uh, you go ahead and hit it from the top. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a stacked and loaded question. Um, so part of. And let me just talk about coaching. Uh, first off, at Ziggler, we do a lot of coaching, and we have a couple of hundred uh, coaches that have come through, and we've taught them the coaching process. We've given them coaching materials. We've been a part of uh, helping them grow as a coach, teaching them a specific process. And so I want to be really clear that uh, that's a real issue is people saying, hey, I'm a coach, come see me. And yet they haven't studied it. They haven't learned from the best. Uh, they may not have uh, a background that kind of lends it towards that. And what do I mean by the background? Mainly what I mean is, is that they're coaching in areas that they shouldn't be coaching in. Like I know a lot about mental performance. And so I work with athletes occasionally but you know what I'm not gonna do is I'm not gonna build a customized training physical regime for them. I'm gonna refer that to somebody else because that's not my area of expertise. And so that's the challenge we have is people who were coaching out of that. Um, and another thing about coaches is coaches are not therapists and they're not counselors, they're not psychiatrists and they're not, not psychologists. And so we really caution our coaches to stay out of that when somebody needs truly professional help in one of those areas then we refer them we're like hey you know what that's a little deeper than what we do it's different than what we do mm -hmm. and so then how do we separate ourselves and how do we 
position ourselves in a correct way. The first thing we do with our coaches is we say, hey, let's build on your strengths. What's your track record? What experience have you overcome? What's your skill and expertise? Were you a business owner? Were you in law enforcement? You know, whatever the case was, that's where you want to start. That's where you want to start building your own coaching practice. Number two, you know, if you're the right person, you, you got to have the right program. And that's where credibility comes in. And so a lot of people, they don't get into coaching because they'll say something like, well, you know, I'm not a famous movie star. I didn't write a book. I didn't land my plane on the Hudson. I didn't win a world championship. Those are, those are things that to me don't make any difference, right? Just because I won a world championship doesn't make me a great coach. You know, uh, Mickey Mantle, maybe one of the greatest hitters in baseball ever. He was a terrible batting coach. And the reason he was a terrible batting coach is he did everything by feel. I mean, when he got hot, nobody was better. But when he got cold, he didn't know why he was cold in the hitting process. And it took him a long time to get out of his slumps. The people who were the greatest batting coaches were the ones who really studied the mechanics of it and understood the foundational fundamentals that would set them up for success. And so for you, and you think your life is normal and you've overcome some obstacles and you're wondering, well, should I be a coach or not? Hey, if you study the fundamentals and the foundational principles and you have a process based on truth, you can be a fantastic coach. And so if the person's right, now you need the program, you need to teach them something, and then you've got to have a process. And so when you're talking to potential customers and clients who might want to use you as a coach, then you're going to want to talk about the program and the process. And then you need to have validation, right? You said you've had uh, previous clients who've recommended you. And Kevin, I, I got lost there for a second. Were they doing uh, free coaching only or were they charging for coaching? It looked like she was saying her one-on-one, maybe she does some paid group coaching. I don't know, but the one-on-one was free. Yeah. Okay. Um, You know, and I would, I I always recommend to coaches because this is what I've seen is, is a good, you know, good coaches, people who, who understand uh, they tend to undercharge or not charge at all. Yeah. And, I highly discourage that. And the reason is, is that when people feel like they're making an investment, they're far more likely to take action on the recommendations that a coach uh, puts in front. Now, my philosophy is that as a coach, I help you discover, I help you discover what it is you believe you need to do to move from where you are to where you want to go. That's a much more powerful process when you say, Yep, that's what I want. Yep, I'm committed to doing that. Now, my eyes and ears aren't as focused when I'm not paying, right? No doubt. Right? If you're the 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 opinion you pay for is what what it's worth what you pay for it. And so a great coach needs to be doing that. Now, on the other side of the hand, if you're a successful coach and you want to take some people on under the wing as part of your you know, your ministry, your give back, absolutely do that. But that person needs to know, hey, this is normally what we do. Now, what we teach is a lot of times the initial strategy session, the discovery session, that's complimentary, right? Because we want to get them involved and get them, get them in on it. 
And so I don't know if I answered all of your questions, but you've got to really focus in on, hey, this is the process that I follow. Here's the program that I do. I, you know, uh, if we discover something, we, I have a network of people I can refer you to. Here are the testimonials that we've had. Um, you know, and I don't know. We, we, every now and then I'll hear the, yeah, but are you an MLM or something like that? And that's usually in the public domain. It's not a one-on-one conversation because one-on-one I could say uh, very quickly and very easily, hey, that's, that's not the business I am. I'm a coach. I help people. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to convert you into what I am, right? I'm, I'm trying to help you. And then that usually settles that down. Well, I, and I had a couple points on there, but here's another one from Fred. He says his biggest hurdle is getting people to realize what a life coach can do for them. And I know, again, in our audience, we have so many people who are coaches in different um, aspects. So I'll tell you a soapbox of mine there, folks, is I struggle with selling the validity of being a life coach uh, overall. Life, as you said it, Tom, you, you help people in, uh, you said mental, de- mental development. Is that the, the term you used initially? Yeah. And I know you do executive business coaching and whatnot, but you said, yeah, somebody's coming to you and says, okay, life coaching. Yeah. I need a fitness and diet plan. And you said, that's not your expertise. And they may come and say, gosh, you know, I need, I need a financial and budget plan. And I could see you saying that's, hey, I got some great Dave Ramsey counselors to, to uh, connect you with, to say that you can help somebody with their overall life is really big. And what I find personally in the marketing space is it's harder to sell because people are not as prone to believe it. And my analogy is a doctor. Let's say that you have a problem and some doctor says, you know what, whatever your problem is, I can take care of it. Really? So I got, I need brain surgery. Can you handle that? Or I have cancer. Can you handle that too? And my kid needs braces. You got that covered too? And I need a chiropractic. So you got it all. And of course, we all laugh at that. So from a, co- a coaching standpoint, I struggle with that as well, that we should have an area, just as you said, Tom, of expertise. And my what I'm saying too is you will get more traction marketing that, branding and positioning that, even if you're good at life coaching. And I saw this firsthand as a kid with my dad. And he came out and he was a career coach, Dan Miller. Now, he still talks about himself some as a life coach, but he knocked it out of the ballpark as a career coach. So people come to them because they want help with his career, with their career. What does he do? Life coaching. How can he help them with their career without understanding what do they want out of life? What is the goal? And so he helps them with that, but he doesn't come out and promote himself as a life coach. He does career. And when I first came out, I was doing coaching. Actually, it was for authors. My first clientele were authors helping them brand and position themselves. And then real quick, you have people going, hey, can you help me in this area, in this area? And some I would say yes, some I would say no. So, you know, from there and then. Uh, also I did want to hit on, yeah, what you said with charging. Cause again, I saw it with my dad, he started off in a church and then he went out and start selling his coaching, but he'd have people come from church and go, Hey Dan, can you help me? He says, sure. And you know, I don't, I won't even charge you. And I remember him coming, coming back home frustrated. He go, and he said, those people don't show up. They're the ones that stand me up. If I charge somebody a thousand dollars for a coaching package, they come and they're invested. If I give somebody at church free, a free coaching package, they don't show up half the time or they don't finish. They don't invest. And he says, I'm going to charge them no matter what anymore. If they don't want, if, if I don't want the money from them, I'll give it to charity, but I'm charging them just as you said, uh, uh, Tom, because they need it for the 
investment. Though I also feel just as you do too, man, I'm not going to, the cheaper I spend, I'm going to expect less. It's like a lawyer, man. If my butt's on the line, I want a thousand dollar an hour lawyer. You know, I use this analogy and I want people to take it as an analogy, but if Warren Buffett came to me and said, Hey, I need help. Okay. First over, first off, I'd fall over in my chair. Uh, <laughs> right. Likewise. Yeah. The guy's like, I mean, he's the man, right? All these years of wisdom. But if he said, Hey, I really need your help. And, uh, I, I'd be honest with you, I'd charge him a million dollars. He wouldn't, after, he wouldn't see value otherwise. Yeah. Right. And then after that, I'd make a deal with him. Look, I'm going to charge you a uh, hundred thousand a session after, you know, after our initial engagement and, uh, but we're going to give it to charity. I mean, that's what I would do. Okay. And, and the reason I would do that is because when you're talking to somebody with that kind of income and ability to do things, he's only going to take action on something that he sees incredible value with and he's got amazing leverage. If I'm working with somebody who's brand new and young and they've come out of a difficult circumstance and they're making all the right moves, I might charge them significantly less than my, my, my normal client as long as I see progress in what they're doing. Okay, so we're all human beings. We can do that. The, the point is, is that until we see value in what we offer and the value, you know, the value that we offer is life changing value. How, how can we put a price tag on an improved relationship or better health or peace of mind, good sleep, or moving towards your lifelong dream or goal. Those are things that are priceless. And yet we have to, uh, you know, because we've, we've got to earn a living and everything else. And I would say this, more coaches get in trouble not charging enough than they do charging too much. Agreed. Agreed. And that, I, I, I realize that's hard. I, I remember when I came out, I charged 60 bucks an hour and then I went up to a hundred and every time you feel nervous, but then as soon as somebody signs up and pays that amount, you realize, Hey, I'm a hundred dollar an hour guy. I'm a $200 an hour guy. I'm a 300. I remember when I was, I think I was making $300 an hour and told you, and you said, Kevin, that should be 500 minimum. I mean, it's just, you know, it's a different economy and we got to grow into it. Friends, you are listening to The Ziggler Show and this episode on who is your competition. And in your business, you do have competition as you're hearing. It is doing nothing as well as other competitors out there. How do you stand out? What reason do you give for people to do business with you? Uh, again, you're going to hear us talk about some of the resources, but Zig Ziggler's uh, Secrets of Closing the Sale top of the heap. If you've never read it, go to Ziggler.com, click the online store, go find that book and read it not once, but well, as Seth Godin did, read it 72 times. Uh, coming up next, we're going to just dive right back into the comments and open your eyes to more of some of the real world issues people are dealing with, with competition and their products and services. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, here's a Robin, she says, I'm an independent consultant with Arbonne. If, it, if nobody, if, if you don't know that, that's a skincare line and it is MLM, multi-level marketing. Uh, our last show together, Tom, we talked about Mary Kay, which was one that Ziegler was highly involved with. And you said with Mary Kay, they are not a skincare company. They are a 
personal growth company. Is that what you said? Something along those lines? Yeah, a people development people, company. People develop. And I would say similar thing with Arbonne. So Robin says, I'm an independent, independent consultant with Arbonne. We have been doing clean vegan skincare for 40 years and have a vegan nutrition line. We're proud of our B Corp certification and our list of 2,000 plus never, never allowed ingredients. My business is flourishing, but would do even better if people understood the value of network marketing. Sometimes people are skeptical and say no before they actually know what they're saying no to. Uh, and she said, as far as competition, she says, I would say some of the seemingly lower price, similar products uh, that contain filler type ingredients that cause them to be less effective, possibly harmful, and they don't last as long. Like you say, I'll take a high price quality dark chocolate over a typical candy bar any day. And I think she's referencing me talking about that uh, literally. And that boy, that uh, you, you know, that's a big can of worms there, Tom. It always reminds me of the commercials we see. I always think about the Super Bowl because I don't have regular TV. So that's about the only time I see regular commercials. And how seldom do we ever see a product or service on a Super Bowl commercial that says anything to the quality? Because people don't tend to believe it or, or to respond to it. We generally respond to image and trust and credibility. And so going to this, I, I hear what she's talking about. But yeah, to sell against those, are people really going to buy and spend more because of a better quality product? They should. Some do. I do. There are some things that I absolutely do. Um, but man, you still got a lot to deal with in regards to the image that you're selling there. Uh, but also, Tom, yeah, to probably be a good time just to give some commentary to MLM. MLM, multi-level marketing. People know it as network marketing. And as you know, it is a, it's, it's a great business structure. It is a great legitimate business structure and it has a dramatic amount of negative baggage over the years. My personal soapbox to say that word again on it is because we have people unfortunately get involved with some of these companies and they are not products or services that that person would actually pay the retail price and buy themselves. They're not avid fans. They're in it as a business opportunity. I see that as a mismatch. If you're promoting a business through network marketing or multi-level marketing and you would not be a customer on your own paying full retail price, there's a mismatch and an incongruence. Yeah, I agree. I love uh, the network marketing concept, the MLM concept. And, you know, you, you can research and read all you all you like, but it usually boils down to a couple of things. Did the product or service that the company represent, is it is it true? Is it real? Does it have value? Does it create a higher level experience? Are there life changing or, or, you know, testimonials from people who have seen the benefits of it? Uh, and there's a bunch of companies that, that fit that model. Mm -hmm. But, but the thing that I really look forward to is when you join an organization, uh, what is the primary motive for coming in? Is it, is it you're gonna, it's gonna be easy and in a couple of months you're gonna be wealthy because everybody's gonna do it. And so it's a lifestyle and a money-making opportunity. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of them are, and, and they, they provide that as part of it, but is that the focus? What I've seen is that the people yeah. in the industry who are successful over time, 
they're really in the people business. And so what they found is a life, a life changing product or service that they believe in passionately that's had an impact on them. And then they know that when they bring people into their organization, it's their now their responsibility to develop them to be successful in business and in life. Because here's the reality. You can have the greatest opportunity in the world. And if you recruit someone in and they're having basic challenges with life, they're not going to last long. Right. I mean, if, if you're having relationship problems or health problems or, or whatever the situation is, you have a self-image problem, a mindset problem, uh, whatever that challenge is, it's going to be difficult for you to be successful week over week, month over month, year over year. And so people who build great organizations, they, have, they, they take on it as their responsibility to provide the development that their people need to flourish. Now, not everybody takes advantage of it. Not everybody will plug into that. But you look at over time, you look at the organizations and very well, and the leaders who've done very well, that is what I call the scarlet thread that you'll see every time. And so in the last episode, when we talked about Mary Kay, that was a hallmark of Mary Kay. Because yeah. they knew that they were in the business of developing uh, women into leaders. And the vehicle that allowed that to happen was the Mary Kay product line. And you see, that's a little bit different approach than, hey, let's go sell, let's make money, let's, let's get everybody in and ride this wave without the development. Well, in Mary Kay, and now uh, we're talking here, Robin uh, sourced Arbon. Those are two that have been some of the most solid MLM companies through the span of time that I have seen people be yes. raving fans just of the product regardless they don't care what the business opportunity is they are just that and i've seen that i've i've known people who are such fans and purchasers of those products even though they don't want anybody to know because they are they, they, they aren't fans of the mlm aspect but they love the products i love seeing that i think amway is another one that that's where they started off with my gosh i used to some of my greatest Pers or business development and personal development books and resources were from Amway. Was it uh, uh, DeVos? Uh, what was the guy? Rich DeVos. There yeah. you go. There you go. Some of those books were were incredible. Uh, Veronica here. She says, "I'm a leather crafter and artist. My challenge is helping people to understand handmade with quality supplies is much better than big box imitations." I also understand that some people just aren't my clientele. I appreciate that statement. Uh, again, going right back up to what Robin talked about before, though, when we're talking about quality, Tom, I feel like, man, that is that is hard. Is handmade, uh, you know, better than, you know, a production line manufacturing thing? I mean, you could make that argument. My experience with my own purchasing and with others is most of the high quality products are purchased and people have pride that they're handmade and high quality, but they primarily purchase them because of the image. And I'll use our buddy Dave Munson with Saddleback Leather as a great example. People pay incredible amounts for his leather products. You can find them at saddlebackleather.com. Uh, for his incredible products. Do they tout the handmade aspect of it and the high quality? Absolutely. Their tagline is they'll fight over it when you're dead. 
and they guarantee their products for a hundred years. So they're hitting up the quality. But the reason people buy those is the imagery that goes along with saddleback leather. They want to be seen with it. They want to associate with it. I think it's very similar with Oakley glasses. Are they, do they really make better glasses than a half price competitor? I have been showcased to believe that not necessarily. And yet uh, I have a pair over there in my bag that I'll use on my bike ride here. Why do I have a, they've just got Apple. Is it really a better product to spend twice as much for a comparable? I've got, that's all I got is Apple products. I mean, they have done a great job of selling me on the imagery, on the credibility. Uh, and I want to associate with them, but they didn't necessarily back to the Super Bowl commercial, the Porsche dealer didn't come on there and say, here's our car. It's handmade. It's quality. It'll last longer, has more horsepower and X, Y, Z. They showed it zooming along with some beautiful people into it and gave me imagery. I wanted to associate with it. That's what sells more Porsches than anything. So yeah, with her leather crafting and artistry, I get it. But, uh, yeah, Tom, what's your experience? You know, uh, a lot of people have heard about the MVP, which means, uh, Let's see, minimum viable product. Right. Right. So companies will will they'll think, oh, this is a great new product. I want to put it out on the market. And so they engineer it to say, okay, how can we save as much cost in the engineering of it and still be profitable? And that'll be our minimum viable product. And then we'll grow it from there, right? That'll be our test case to know. Uh, I think it was Seth Godin. It could have been someone else, but I think Seth talked about um, MVC or MVA, which stands for minimum viable customer or minimum viable audience. And I think what he was referring to was, what is the least amount of customers that you need to have a successful business, right? Because we start off going, wow, you know, it'd be great if I had thousands and tens of thousands of customers, but you know what? What if you only needed a hundred and you kept them really happy? So when, whenever I'm talking with an artisan or handcrafted or really even uh, a, not just somebody who says I'm a life coach, but somebody who says, Hey, I'm a specific coach in this area. I love it because now you can get real targeted and real specific about who your audience is. And I'll, I'll just give you an example. So as a speaker, uh, one of the things that we have to do is we have to uh, we have to look good on stage, okay? And then there's this whole dynamic of, well, do you want to cast a certain image or do you look too slick or polished? Or, you know, you certainly you can't look, you know, unkept and disheven, right? You've got to have all of that going together. And so I was like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to up my game a little bit. And I went and I got a uh, tailored suit. And my friends who had had tailored suits, they said, you know what? When you get a tailored suit, you'll never go back because you just really don't know the difference yeah. until you get one. And so I got one. And you know what? They were right. And I'll never forget. I'm wearing this suit out. And then when I got it, I'm looking at the lapel pin or the lapels on the suit right on the front. And you could see the hand stitching in it. And Kevin, I'll be honest with you. I like, I thought it was a defect. 
because all the suits I'd ever bought were machined yeah. and you couldn't even see the stitching, you know, it wasn't. And, and so it didn't lay exactly flat. Right. And so the first time I'm wearing it out, uh, this guy comes up to me and he was dressed really sharp and he comes up and he looks at my lapel and he actually puts his finger on the lapel when he comes down and he goes, man, I like your suit. I mean, this is great stitching. And so the point of that was that when you're an artisan, when you're doing custom work, what we've got to do is appeal to the people who can tell that it's a custom suit, right? That it's a hand done piece of leather. And so in that regard, perfection doesn't mean that it's just like every piece that you've put out before. Perfection in that regard means that the connoisseur, the person who's, who knows what they're talking about, they can see the love and the craftsmanship that went in it. Yeah. And so that person who was pointing out the stitching in my suit knew that somebody had hand done that. And that was a lot of time. Yeah. And so when you, there was a, there, you know, some of the questions have been about, well, how do we differentiate and, and how do we speak to how we're different and better? This is one of the ways that you can do it. And I love that. I do too. And I'm a huge fan of custom artisan uh, products. And I, you know, for you, Veronica, to make raving fans out of your clientele and inspire them, motivate motivate them, incentivize them to promote you is absolutely legitimate. Uh, I've got a friend, Brent Trout, he owns Mountain Man Soap, and I will not use anybody else's soap but his, and it is, it's natural products, it's all high quality, but I also just like associating myself with his product. His tagline is uh, uh, shave with your ax and bathe with our soap. And he's going after the rugged guy. I love that. I want to be associated with that. And he motivates me to uh, promote him as I just did. M- Mountainmansoap.com. There you go. Uh, Cindy here. She says she's a travel concierge with years of experience. Uh, she says they're a fee-free travel service. We book all Disney destinations, Disney Cruise Lines, Universal Studios, and our curated collection is made up of five-star resorts all over the U.S. and the world, including Royal Caribbean and Norwegian Cruise Lines. I asked her on Facebook then, where I posted the question, who are your competitors? She said, my competitors would be any other travel agencies. The difference is we are a platinum agency with Disney. It takes a lot to get to that level. Our services to our clients are what sets us apart from other agencies. We take care of every detail of your trip, wherever you may be traveling. We also have agents on property every day at Disney and Universal gets gets us updated on all the newest things. Uh, so there, there's another one where she understands the quality like that. We're a, what'd she say? We're a platinum, platinum, uh, platinum agency. She understands what that is. To me, it means nothing, Tom. I, I, I don't, I'm looking for a trip somewhere and it doesn't mean anything to me. And so what are some other, and she also, you know, didn't list out again, that aspect of competition is just not taking a trip. That's the biggest competitor for me. But then why use her as opposed to somebody else? She's platinum. That's hard to sell, I think. Yeah, and we do a lot of business coaching. Um, and so I'll give you just one of the coaching tips that we would do. And that is, is because you're a platinum level agent, you've got to educate your prospects. And one of the greatest ways to educate your prospects is 
a simple one page or two page white paper or flyer or something like this. And it could be as simple as saying, hey, the seven keys to picking the right travel agent, right? And key number one could be, um, does your travel agent get, you know, updates every 24 hours from, you know, and you mentioned the resorts that allow, and then they, then they take that information and personally respond back to the people they know who are gonna be in those locations to, to get that information, right? Because a, a generic travel agent or somebody who's brand new or not experienced isn't gonna have access to that. And so what you're doing is you're, you're saying, here's our standard. And the reason you want us is because these will all benefit you and you list the benefits. And this is what you get when you come with us. And by the way, if you're gonna thinking about going with somebody else, just ask them these questions. Do they do that? And then that differentiates you. Well, I appreciate you said different because that's where I was going to hit. So Christopher Lockhead, who you know, Tom, yeah, we had him on show 479. So Ziegler show episode 479. And he talks about that ad nauseum. That's kind of a, a, a flag he waves is don't try to sell yourself as best or better. Sell yourself as different. And it's hard to do, especially if you know, man, my product or service is, it literally is best. And he's saying it's, it's just, people don't, it's not as believable as saying, look, it's just different. Here's what you get when you do, when you work with XYZ, here's what we do that's different. And you can even let clients tell you the, tell you, tell the people that, Hey, I, I used to work with this travel agency. This is what I experienced. I worked with, uh, you know, Cindy and hers and oh my goodness, this was the difference. Let them say that as well. But just to what you said, Tom, what's different? What's a differentiating factor? You know, uh, I think dad talked about it in the book secrets of closing the sale. Uh, but he, when he was in sales early on, he had this idea, he called it a marriage contract. And it wasn't really a marriage contract, but what he told the prospect and then the buyer is he's like, look, um, we're getting married. Now this was figuratively, not literally. And he said, Hey, you're going to enjoy this. And you know what, you're going to get incredible value out of it. But as the person who's delivering this to you and as the organization that's standing behind, we're getting married. We're going to support it for the rest of your life. I'm here right? I'm not a one and done. I'm in a relationship with you, whatever you need. So if you're a platinum level, whatever, one of the best ways uh, to, to say, hey, we're different is what's it going to be like when the trip's done? What's it going to be like a year after you got the handcrafted piece of leather? What's it going to be like uh, when your initial uh, product or service experience is done? with the provider are they going to stay in touch are they going to offer you extra value are you going to be part of a club or a membership are you going to get future offers at a, at a you know a little bit better value because you're already a customer what are you going to do and then what happens is is the more we raise the standard of what we're going to provide then the more loyalty we get when we provide it and so better, best, different. How are we different? Because we're getting married. I mean, this isn't a one and done one night deal. This is a relationship that we want to earn over time. Yeah. 
Yeah, it reminds me of where I would I had my teeth cut long ago on the lifetime value of a client. And somebody coined that. It may have been the Raving Fans book or uh, Crown the Customer, which was from the Sewell Cadillac folks. Uh, I think they, I think they're in, in Texas folks. But yeah, it was the lifetime value. But not only you knowing the lifetime value, this isn't a one-time shot, but this your best profit, your, your easiest sale and most profit is from somebody you sold before, but letting them know. Yeah, just as you said, Tom, letting them know, look, I am here for the long haul of marriage. That's a great perspective. Uh, here's two, Tom, that I'm going to put together because I think it's the same same issue that they're talking or, or that would benefit them. Mason Scott, he says, I'm a state farm insurance salesman. We offer different types of policies that help people protect what they love and who they love. Our main competitors are several other insurance agencies, big and small. Everyone needs insurance, but not everyone wants to pay for uh, that much for insurance. This is evident with people constantly saying the price is way too much money. Uh, that's why we don't sell on price, rather on value. Uh, Jennifer, real quick, a different product or service, but I think it's a rel same relevant point. I sell short-term rental management for Vacasa. We have a higher commission rate than local companies. Uh, and also people think they can, uh, competition wise, people think they can manage their property on their own and pay no commission. So with that, so Mason's saying insurance, uh, sometimes it's hard to just talk people into the value. It's easy just to not have insurance. We're in a, a time right now where, you know, in America, you have to have, you're required, you're supposed to have liability insurance for your automobile. Uh, you, you, you should have health insurance and there's a lot of people who don't, which means if then if you have a catastrophic issue or even not, not that catastrophic, you're going to have a catastrophic cost and you're in big trouble. Obviously, when we have life insurance, you know, property insurance, liability insurance, things that, you know, some people have, some people don't, and they uh, sometimes don't see that the need is enough, especially for the amount of money to end what Jennifer's saying here. She is with the rental property management and some people just try to do it themselves and don't see the value. So back to Zig's initial message to us at the top of the show where he talks about the value or the necessity sometimes to poke that problem, to poke that hot spot and to say, look, this is what well, I mean with insurance. Uh, gosh, I mean, the fear, it's a fear-based product, which I don't like uh, the reality of that. It is a fear-based, well, it's a what if, but it's true. What if, if you don't have life insurance and you can tell stories. I know of one recently of a guy who out of the blue died, no life insurance. His family is in a bad place. Oh my gosh, Tom, you've got that story. You and your dad at the restaurant about life insurance. D tell that one. There's a great, play this clip for your life insurance sales. Yeah, so I was uh, only been working at the company for a few years. I was probably like 26, 27. Dad was speaking in Atlanta, Georgia at an event. Uh, by the way, it was probably a network marketing event uh, since we talked about that earlier. So we, he spoke in the evening from like, you know, from like 6.30 to, to, to uh, 8.30 or nine. We didn't have dinner. Uh, because we were there and I was selling product. We got out of there uh, about 10 o'clock, going back to the hotel and dad says, hey, do you want to stop and get some dinner? So I said, sure, right? Because I'm 25 and hungry. <laughs> and we pull off the road and we, we go into a Denny's. So it's Friday night. It's probably almost 11 o'clock by now. And so Denny's was open. We go in, we sit down. 
and this nice uh, lady comes over and gray haired lady and she takes our drink order and she says, I'll be back in a minute. And as she walks off, dad looks at me and, and he says, oh, son, what a shame. An insurance salesperson didn't do their job. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, he, he said, look, she's probably close to 70. It's 11 o'clock at night on Friday night. Do you think she really wants to be here working? And I said, no. And then he looks at me and he says, son, I can almost guarantee you that 20 or 30 years ago, an insurance salesperson sat down with her and her husband and he didn't make the sale. Mm. And that's when the value of insurance really hit me. So to me, uh, you know, you talk about it's, it's, it's fear-based. I, I have a little bit different take on it. I don't think it's, it's fear-based. I think it's people are only comparing the cost and what it does now on the very, very low chance that something's going to happen to them. Whereas the way I like to look at it is how much do I love my family? Mm, true. Right. And I would do anything for them. And so because of that, what I want to do is I want to find the best protection for them. That's financially, it makes sense. And so this is where I don't think there's one solution. I think there's different, you know, people are different places in their life, but I'll tell you this, the people who, uh, you know, I'll just mention term insurance. It's so inexpensive. It's so affordable. It's kind of like the no brainer. It's like, if you don't have it, <laughs> you know, unless you're totally set and wealthy and have no dependents and you don't need it, then golly, you, you gotta go check into that. But it just reminded me that the greatest insurance uh, salespeople that I know, they have this unbelievable conviction that they're setting up families for success no matter what happens. And if you've ever talked to an agent who's been in a little while and they have delivered a death benefit uh, and they have that right um, that right heartfelt conviction, yeah. a lot of them will break up. Right. They'll tell you that it was the most uh, life changing thing they've ever done was to be there uh, for a family in a time of need. So I'm a big I'm a I'm a big, big believer uh, in this. I want to I want to take that concept and that feeling and emotion into the next one. I do want to just real quick refer to Jennifer where she's talking about rental management. Boy, again, just as you talked about there, Tom, I mean, I, I'm a great testimonial of somebody who thought I'll save money and I'll just take care of my own property and how I, through my admitted negligence, I wasn't, it's not my, I'm not a professional property manager, the amount of money I lost uh, on that, the amount of money it cost me that I would have saved if I had had a rental management company uh, is, is dramatic. It made me even think there's an old story, Tom. I don't remember all the details and who said it, but about helping a, it was like a nail salon company and they were struggling with how to promote themselves when there was another one that moved in right across the street and promoted cheaper prices. And the solution was that they then put a sign up that said, you know, we charge more, we fix cheap nail jobs. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, uh, let's go back to that rental management thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, you ha- and this is education again, The let's say you own a property and there's these different management companies in the area and there's a standard rate and then there's this one boutique that charges more. Well, how does the boutique uh, justify that? Well, you've got to educate your, your prospect mm-hmm. because what do we want at the end of the year? We want a total net increase of take home for me, mm-hmm. right? I want the maximum. So short-term rental, the problem isn't the percentage, whether you pay 10 or 15 or 20 or, or whatever the going rate is. That's not the problem. It's how many days that thing's vacant. And it also can be, depending on the market, uh, the type of tenants that come in and who could potentially do damage or cause other issues. And so having the right agent, the right group representing you who get maximum days of use and also are very uh, careful about who they rent to, those are a winning combination. So if I own a rental property that I'm hoping that's going up in value, I'm gonna be all ears and hearing that. And then we give them a chance, right? So do they really do they really uh, deliver what they promise? That's just the way life is. Yeah, that's that is excellent. Hopefully that helps both Jennifer and Mason. I got one more here and this one's just a, a, another heartfelt uh, admission. Timothy Driver, he says, I'm a financial coach. I help individuals and families get out of debt by changing their financial behaviors so they can leave a legacy that will impact the life of others for years to come. They are already in debt and struggle with paying a coach to help them get out of debt. So I asked him about his competition. He says, I went through the Dave Ramsey financial coaching master training and became a preferred coach find out, found out several other people are in the area who did the same thing and their competition uh, were referral based and the individual would get, uh, he said, three coaches within that area to choose from. And I've seen that you get, uh, you know, they give you some options. He says, I, I only received five referrals in five months and only, only talked to two and neither wanted to move forward. I paid 150 bucks a month and got nothing. So I stopped being a Ramsey preferred coach and have tried to do this on my own and have failed to get a single client. I even went through a Michael Hyatt platform program and still nothing. A lot of money has gone out with nothing to show for it. Now I read, I read that candidly folks, and we are huge Dave Ramsey fans and huge Michael Hyatt fans had them both on the show. Those guys are exemplary. They have incredible businesses and yet I'll say to both of those, with all due respect, they can't make your business happen for you. At the end of the day, if you are a coach, you're selling yourself. Doesn't matter again what you provide. If you're the best, even even how uh, different you may think you're you're, you're going to be, you are selling yourself. And that is, you know, to come back to coaching, Tom. That is the issue that I see people struggle with. It's why you have the Choose to Win coaching program because you know there are so many people that can help somebody. If they're sitting across from a client, they can absolutely help them. The problem is getting a client to sit across from them because the amount of marketing that you have to do and you have to sell yourself. If I'm selling a coffee mug, the focus is the coffee mug. 
And we're going to talk about that. Dave, uh, Dave Munson that we talked about, Saddleback Leather. Leather. He's talking about his products. Here are the products. And he's talking about their merits. The moment you become a life coach, you're the product. And that's very difficult. And a lot of people are not equipped to, it, uh, to do that. You spoke to that somewhat uh, before as we were talking about you know coaches, Tom. And you've got to be comfortable selling yourself. And in this... I mean, we know the Dave Ramsey and Michael Hyatt, their stuff. I mean, we have people go through those who have then gone on and done incredible things. But here with Timothy, it sounds like there's some issues. Yeah, with selling yourself, selling your credibility, gaining trust with people. Uh, you're, you're at sales 101. This is secrets of closing the sale uh, as, a, as a classic need right here. Yeah. You know, uh, and it's, I'm, I'm, I understand completely. I've had a number of, through the last five years, conversations with people who contacted me directly and said, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a Ziegler Legacy Certified Speaker, Trainer, and Coach. I'm thinking about becoming a Ziegler Choose to Win Coach. And I'd say, well, why is that? And they would say, oh, well, you know, with the Ziegler brand, it'll be easy. <laughs> I'm just start. I hate to, to burst your bubble. The Ziegler brand will get you the conversation, but the people are buying you, right? The people are, what you just said is 100%. And so what we've done uh, in our system, especially with our choose to win coaching system, is we actually, if you get a prospect, uh, if you want us to, we'll sit in on the call with you. We'll actually help enroll that person for you because that is a learned skill learning how to convert somebody from an interested prospect into a customer that that takes some some training some skills some learning and if you've never done that before it can be foreign to you so that's one of the things that we offer uh but at the end of the day uh and this is also for everybody on our platform who wants to be a speaker who wants to be a trainer who wants to be a consultant any of those things if you're out under your own brand or if you're licensed to carry somebody else's brand like ours is, it's about building the relationship. It's about winning that trust. And it just, it takes some time. And so a lot of times, uh, because there's not a lot of opportunities, because I'm not having a prospect call two or three times a day, which you get in a corporate environment, uh, you get discouraged because it just takes a certain amount of, trying this and trying that and getting comfortable with before you can get into that. And so we do everything possible that we can to help our people through that process as fast as possible. But it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. Well, and you also bring to light just that, that, be, you know, getting the certificate, all your expertise, uh, getting certificate, all this stuff is, I'm going to say subservient to, can you sell yourself? And, and that's, where coaches, I think, just don't don't understand. I mean, this comes back. To, I mean, there's so many analogies, Tom. You know that the author who gets a book publisher to publish their book, and they think, "Man, I'm going to arrive," and then counts on the publisher to sell their books. Big disappointment. 
<laughs> now, you are going to sell your books, which is why in today's day and age, publishers want to see somebody who has an audience already so they know that there's going to be book sales done because they know that they're not going to be the ones uh, to sell it uh, primarily. And, you know, and another thing that I, I, I feel I might be getting a little bit from you, Timothy, is you, know, you are looking at the value you can provide. You know the value of financial mastery and, and whatnot, whatnot. But the average person... They don't want to manage their money. They don't want to budget. They don't want to change their behaviors. They just want money and hassle-free. I mean, they want the result. And I wonder, are you talking about the result? What's in it for them? What's at the end of the day? They want to get on with their, I do. I want to get on with my life. I don't want to mess with money. And, you know, to focus on, hey, this is what you need to do. You need to watch the perspective. I'll never forget a client I had. She was mid 60s she was a personal trainer and her focus was working with her peers people who were in later years and helping them uh, well this is what she said i want to help them be more flexible and have core strength and this is how i do it and she would speak those i finally had to say you know what nobody cares about being more flexible Nobody cares about core strength. Those motivate you, but these people don't care. What they want is the results of that. They want to be able to get up out of a chair without pain. They want to be able to get down on the floor with their grandkids and play without pain. They want no pain when they lay down at night so they can get a good night's sleep. Those are the things that they want. Now, you can help them get that through flexibility and core strength and whatnot, but we can't come out and sell flexibility because nobody cares. They care about the end result. And this is one of those things you can hear a hundred times and it's still so counterintuitive to all of us. When I have a product, when Kevin Miller has a product or service, I want to talk about the product or service. That's what I think is awesome. And I want to talk about the merits and I have to turn my marketing cap on and do a 180 and go, nobody cares. Nobody cares about the horsepower of a Porsche or the hand stitching of the leather. They care about the imagery they get and the respect and the credibility and the fun and the result. And it's just so counterintuitive to us as humans. And yet that is the marketplace. And we have to remind ourselves over and over and over. Yep, I love that, and I'll just I'll just close it off with this kind of um, I want everybody to have a mental picture, you know. Just imagine you're a wedding consultant, okay? And and we've all seen this, right? We've got the the bride, and and one picture of the bride is, you know, the rice is flying, the the face is beaming, it's all happy, happy. They're getting into the limo, and the bride and groom are about to experience you know, the fairy tale life, they're going on the honeymoon, okay? And then there's another picture of a bride that we see, and this is the picture uh, three hours before at the church where the makeup's blurry, the tears are flying, <laughs> you know, the pain, the agony, the concern, uh, you know, the trauma, all those things. And so when we sell, uh, what we've got to do first is we've got to identify the pain, Right. And so in, whether I'm a, you know, a financial peace coach helping somebody get their life back, the first thing is I want to know is what kind of pain are you in? Yeah. Or as a, as a wedding consultant bef before the bride picks who their wedding consultant is, I want to understand what their fears are and really speak to that, right? Because usually a bigger driving uh, mover is avoiding the pain 
you know what, if I didn't have any pain in my wedding, like if everything came on budget and on time and there wasn't any stress and, you know, it went off without a hitch, then, you know, that's a win. I'm buying that one all day long rather than it being a 10 out of 10, but the risk still being high, (laughs) you know, right? And so really what we're talking about is this is what we do. We, we understand the pain that they're in now or they're afraid of having. Then we understand the vision of what they want it to be. And there's a gap between those two. And so when I sell myself, I'm the guide in the gap. I'm like, look, I've got all this training, all this experience, all these things I've done, all these past clients. I know how to get, you know, to keep us from getting in pain. And I know how to deliver a vision that you have and so that's what I do. But if we don't have anchored uh, in that prospect's mind the difference in those two things, then they're going to uh, say, well, I'll get back to you. And they'll call the next person. Yep. Right. And the person who explains the difference in those two things and then says, I'm the solution to the gap, that's the one who gets the business. There you go. Right back to Zig's initial message of poking the problem, uh, poke, poking the pain. Uh, and we do, I'll have to say it, we've said it so many times, we respond as humans more to pain than to desire. Sounds negative. We don't want to do negative marketing necessarily, but that's where people respond to it. Tom, man, uh, great content. And uh, I hope this, I, I, I'm confident this served a lot of people out there, especially the coaches. I didn't mean for that to be the focus, but uh, such a need out there. So many people that can help so many other folks, but uh, you need to learn how to do the business of coaching. Again, I'll, I, I'll put this in the intro and the outro, but ZigglerShow.com slash CTW as in choose to win. And you can see how to connect with Tom Ziegler. There you go. Well, I trust this has you inspired to help people better engage with you and your business and help them decide upon your product or service as the help that they need. Coming up in episode 801, declare your vision. Folks, please don't let that sound trite. I have an incredible story to share with you, a personal testimony, not of some hoodoo guru, you know, speak it into life stuff, but a floundering, good-hearted guy who went through failure after failure, but through it all, he achieved some incredible things that he put, where he put hard deadlines on and just worked to accomplish things and and still have, how they happened is, it's just the stuff of stories. Nick Unsworth is a renowned business coach. He's known for his expertise in Facebook advertising, but he's just an incredible guy. I've had the fortune to get to know with a big heart for people, an inspirational business and a heart for the Lord and his discussion and his story. You're going to hear about him making declarations of these are things I feel called to do, feel led to do and how they came to be is really profound. It's going to make you Uh, it's going to make you contemplate and consider some things. I'll tell you that till then folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. 